This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Amen. We've been actually going over our study time has been understanding spiritual warfare. And I promise you that if you pay close attention tonight, you're going to hear the Spirit of God speak to your heart about just our responsibility, what we are. You know, it would be nice. It would be nice because everybody in this room has had problems, has had struggles, has had disappointments. Things have gone on in our life that we wish would have never happened. Every one of us. Every single one of us. And it would be great if somebody could just go in our problems and say, I want to pray and this is just going to all go away. And it does not go away. But God has provided for something, for something to be in our lives, something we can grab a hold of, that we can see Him. See, I've said this time and time again. When I look back in my life, and everything that I've gone through, everything that I had to deal with in my mind, in my emotions, everything. From 17 years old when I gave my life to Christ, because I was already messed up before 17. People had messed me up, you know, at an early age. But I remember when I gave my life to Christ, the one consistent thing that I always saw was Him in my life. And everything I went through, it didn't mean that I didn't have to go through certain things because of the things that been planted in my life, things I planted in my life. There was things I had to go through. But through all of it, when I look back, He always showed me that He was there. You know, I lost friends. I lost relationships. I see this, this group me conversation going on about what have you sacrificed. You know, there's a lot of things I've lost in my life. And I look back, friends that I thought were my best friends, uh, relationships with females that I thought that was just this was it. All of these things I saw in my in, in my as I continued to grow and continue, even in church when I was in church, things I saw, things I experienced. But through all of that, God showed me I am with you. And all I did was continued. I continued. See, I told you this time and time again, Christianity to a person that has never asked Jesus in his life or ever never asked Jesus into their heart is, is there really a God? You've heard about God. You've heard somebody speak about God. You've seen other people act like there's a God. But you and yourself, you really weren't sure until the moment you surrendered your life to Christ. The very first thing I tell people that I, a revelation that I have was, my God, there is a God. And He has changed. He has come into my heart. And there's no doubt it, no doubt about it that the Spirit of God was now living in my heart because I, I came to a point like, I want to surrender to You. And when I surrendered to Him, that, the heaviness that was in my heart was lifted and it was like the love of God just filled me. So all I said was, I want to know Him. I don't know exactly who He is, but my pursuit in life was to know this Jesus that had come into my heart. And all I did was know was I need to pray and I need to read my Bible. But the moment I opened my Bible, the very first thing God spoke to me, because I was fearful, I was scared, like what is going to happen was, and lo, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. 
And that revelation, that little piece of word, has become revelation throughout the years. That He's faithful. He's a sustainer. He's a keeper. He's a preserver. I don't care who's in my life, what I lose. You know, it's easy to say that until you've lost it. You know, but when you, when you have Jesus in your heart, you think about this. There's this famous song that's called, It Is Well With My Soul. And it is said, and I don't remember the details of the story, but It Is Well With My Soul is about a, a, a years and years ago it was written. But the, the man that wrote it actually had lost his entire family. What happened is they got into a ship to go over a sea, or to go to the sea, and got a ship to go to a place, and at this, in this trip, this boat, it sank, and everyone died. And he was, I believe he was a doctor, and he was at a certain place where he had to go to this place now. He had to go, I guess, make arrangements, do what he ever had, had to do. But as, his, as he was passing the area where this ship sank, they told him. And all he can say is, it is well with my soul. And he wrote that song because in his soul, in his soul, see the Bible says that we have a hope that's an anchor for our soul. See, your soul is your mind and your will and your emotions. And nothing is going to keep you from not going through something in this world. Your mind is going to go through things. Your emotions are going to go back and forth. They're going to go upside down. They're going to go each and every way. But there is an anchor that the believer has that other people do not have. And that anchor anchors our soul to say, I can keep on going. I will keep on going. And the thing is, as we keep on going, we see Jesus more and more. Because He says, you love me. I'm going to show you more. I'm going to give more to you. I'm going to give you an understanding. See, in the understanding spiritual warfare, what we're going to see as we read is something common, is our responsibility. I, I, I uh, subtitle this, Understanding Spiritual Warfare, our subtitle is The Believer's Responsibility. Because you have a responsibility. I told you this last week. The weapons that the God has given to His people, they are ours for the taking. They are ours. They, they belong to us, but they're only, they're only ours for the taking. He makes them available for you. Everything in this Word... God has made it available for you, but it's only available for your taking. You can only have this if you go after it. God does not give something to you if you don't go after it. He brings you into something and He says, all of this is yours. Every bit of it. But you will not have it until you go after it. Until you pursue it. Until you want it. And I told you this last week. Nobody, if you, get, if you don't get pursued and you're giving your heart away and you're not being pursued... You're, you're in, that's foolish. You should only give yourself to somebody that truly pursues you in the right fashion. With the right heart, with the right motivation, with the right intents. All of those have to be in place. But once that's in place, you're like, I give myself freely to this individual. Because they have, they, they, they have done it correctly. And that's the way God is. God looks to see if in your heart you're seeking Him for the right reason, you want them for the right reason. You letting go of other things for the right reason. There's all sorts of things that God just, He's looking at. I know the intents of your heart. And that's what God rewards. God rewards the intents of our hearts. I want you to go to, go to, I want you to, go to Ephesians chapter 6 and we're going to start there.
Before I begin, I want to go over the objectives and just the goal of the teaching and go through a few definitions we went last week. In Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to start at verse 10, but my objective is to define and describe the weapons and their functions. I mentioned this last week. We want to describe, define and describe the weapons that Ephesians chapter 6 speaks of and their functions. But it is not only, our second objective, it's not only just to define and describe their functions. We want, we want to clearly, I want to clearly show you the commanding responsibility upon the believer's life regarding the armor of God found in these passages of Scripture. And the goal of our teaching was to equip this body of believers with wisdom to continue to stand in spiritual warfare. We want our understanding to be enlightened as it pertains to who it is that's in the midst of our battles and the wisdom and might that He affords each individual believer that they may be a blessing to the entire body. See, what God gives you, it is not only for you. It is actually to be a blessing to the entire body. You're, you being equipped properly is not only just to preserve you and keep you and protect you, to shield you, but it is actually supposed to overflow into the life of other people. It actually, other people should be affected by... See, God is not... That's why I tried to tell you last week when I started speaking in Spanish from the very beginning and certain people didn't understand what I was saying because you have not been interested in, and that's maybe not, and I'm talking about everything, interested in, involved in, and, and, and engaged in that pursuit. You have not been around Spanish speaking where it's actually been fluent in your life. So I told you last week, that conversation that I was having only a few people were able to be, to be fruitful in that conversation. But as they get an understanding, if it's the way God works, as they get an understanding, they're supposed to give you that understanding and those around them. Because see, God is not about you get yours and you know whatever for whatever, everybody else. No, God is about... I'm, I love this about God. If you think you're getting something from God and you have an understanding and you have wisdom and you have you know, insight into the things of God, believe me, if you're getting it, if you're understanding it, He just doesn't deposit it into people that are not going to give it. He does not do that. God is not a waster. He already knows if you're not going to do what He wants you to do. So He is not giving you any... In, you know, you, you understand that God loves you, yes, you understand that you, you can come to church, but God is not giving you things if you're not going to partake and you're not going to give to those that are around you. So He's not, he's not pouring into your life. Once again, you can be there. You can be around the people of God, but He's not pouring into your life if things, if things are in, not in place in your life and you're not going to be a blessing to somebody. See, from the beginning, you've got to understand that this is from the beginning. From the point time that Jesus came into my life, there was a hunger and a thirst and a desire to tell people about Jesus. Now, I didn't have all the, the wisdom to do so. I didn't know how to go about doing it. And sometimes I'd back off. You know, a lot of times at the beginning I'd back off. But I'm telling you, once God started putting in me, I couldn't hold it. Somebody was going to know about what God had put in me. See, that's what, and, and, and you may think, well, you know, I don't have that desire. Maybe because God hasn't put anything in you. 
as it pertains to... And what I mean by this, your hunger is not where it needs to be. You're saying, well, I'm not a blessing. You know, I'm not effective in the body. Your hunger is not where it needs to be. Because your hunger has to be in place. So Ephesians chapter 6. Let's start there. And we're going to get to the hope, the helmet of salvation this evening. Starting at verse 10. Verse, chapter 6, verse 10. It says, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness and high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that you may be able, may be able to withstand in the evil day. And after, and having done all, to stand, stand therefore." having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And we're going to start there. Stop there. We're going to read verse 16 and 17, because that's our focus. It says, and, take, and above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And I submitted to you that when we're having a conversation, and Anne is just a conjunction tying everything else into it, he's not finished in these, two, in these verses as he speaks. He says, and I need above all, in a higher place, make this of utmost importance, take the shield of faith, which wherewith you shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. And I'm telling you, when you're having a conversation, you're including every one of these and you're asking, and God is telling you, your responsibility is to take them. Your responsibility is to take hold of them, take them up. Your responsibility is to is to be interested in them, be involved, and be engaged in that pursuit. See, you may think that he's just giving you, okay, you know, these are for me, and you can read them and say, okay, I need a helmet of salvation, I need the sword of the Spirit, I need the shield of faith, but these are taken, I told you this, this, as we continue to read, you're going to see something. This is about understanding God's purpose. This is all about understanding the purpose of God and how are you going to stand and how are you going to help others stand. How you're going to keep something preserved and how you're going to help preserve other people. All of this is about the body of Christ making sure they overcome in any situation that comes against them. See, the problem with the body of Christ is they want to be involved with everything else but what God wants them to be involved with. And I'm not talking about, uh, let's say this, the church, not the body of Christ, not the real church. But as you look on TV, I, I, I was looking at a gentleman the other night and I have no idea. You know, this is the first time I ever saw this gentleman. But he, was, he came out of a, saying, you know, I have no idea. I listened to this gentleman for about 30 minutes, listening to this gentleman. And I looked at, you know, my mother said, you know, I have no idea what this guy said. He said that God, you came out of Ezekiel, that God wants to give you a heart of flesh. 
is what he said. God wants to give you a heart of flesh. And basically what he said, God wants to make you human again. And I'm like, okay. He's going to make you human. And then he starts talking about how God dreams and how, and all, and how, how he wants, how we're supposed to create a certain thing in our lives. And I'm like, that has nothing to do with what God wants you to do. God doesn't expect you to create anything. Because he, he already sets your future. He already has planned your future. He already has it set. He, all he says is, I need you to seek me because I'm going to give it to you. He said, you don't have to set any, you don't have to try to create nothing in your life. All you have to do is say, I submit to you and I'm going to allow you to do whatever you're going to do in my life. And then he starts to work in your life. God is so awesome that he starts putting the right people in your life. And then he starts pouring into you. And all of a sudden things are coming out of you. Because God, that's the way God works. So I don't have no idea what this gentleman was saying. And I'm like... This guy is just, he's way out there. And it's so interesting that they act like they really know what they're talking about. They go on and on and on with certain educated words. And I'm like, I have no idea. And I'm like, I, I understand the Word of God. I read the Word of God. But you, brother, I have no idea what you just said. You lost me. And if you lose somebody that actually spends time with the Word of God, you're lost. You don't even know where you're at. Because... God wasn't doing any of what he was talking about. But, going back to above all, he said in a higher place, and that's where people miss it. People don't have their faith as the most important thing in their life. They choose other things as the most important things in their life. They'd rather go after other things instead of taking hold of the shield of faith. Because the shield of faith, as I mentioned last week, see, the armor of God, as Minister, Martin, Minister Eberhard said, it, only, it indicates not only who fights for you, but who you fight for. Who protects you, but who you protect. It indicates your allegiance. Where your loyalty lies. How does that, do, how do, how, how does that indicate your allegiance? Because that taking, that putting on, that going after, that shows that you're interested in God. I said, this is what I want. God, I want you. So I want to make sure I'm putting your word. See, none of this. None of this. People don't understand. This is not about, okay, and I've told you this last week, people talk about I've got to put a shield in front of me every time I'm actually confronting the devil. I'm going to put a shield upon. I want to put my helmet on. I'm going to put my shoes on, my preparation of the gospel, the peace. I'm going to, and that has nothing to do with it. It has everything to do with an understanding. Taking hold of an understanding and saying, God, I got this. I understand what you're doing. And I'm able to actually, I'm able to be preserved. I'm able to be protected. I'm able to be shielded from everything that the enemy will try to bring against me. And I've told you, the darts of the enemy is everything that comes up in your life that tries to pull you away from who God is. Tries to take you away from everything that God has for you. See, people, you know, they get confused in the matter. You know, it, it, it's so interesting that one, what, what people don't understand this is that you cannot help the enemy attack in your mind. You know, you have thoughts in your mind that you think they are your thoughts. You think, well, these are my thoughts. These are things. But those are thoughts that just the enemy has planted because he knows who you are. He knows certain things about you. He knows certain likes you have. He knows certain things that you want. He's heard you say certain things. And he puts certain things in front of you. And he says, this is it. And all of a sudden you're there confused. Okay, God, do you want this or do you want that? Do you want this? And, and, and there's confusion in your mind. But the thing you don't understand is 
the love part. See, it's easy to say, you know, okay, I'm going to, like Sister Hills mentioned it, it's easy to say, you know, I don't want somebody when nobody wants you. But all of a sudden, have somebody like you or somebody interested in you. And here comes the thoughts. Here comes the thoughts about, okay, maybe this is God. Not understanding that you don't put everything together. Okay, does He have certain things in place? Does He have certain a heart attitude towards God? And all of a sudden you start being confused about the matter and God says, do you love me? That's the missing ingredient. And every decision that we make is do we really love God? Because at the very end of the day, I can say what I've sacrificed, but I love the fact that God is like, but I already knew what you were going to do before that even came up. See, God prepares you for everything in your life. That's why it's so important that you wait on the preparation, that you stay being prepared, that you stay putting God's Word in your heart. I want you to go, stay right there, let's stay right there, let's define some words. Let's go to the helmet of salvation. That's where I want to get to. In Ephesians chapter 6 still, in verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This helmet, I want you to write it down. In the Hebrew, it is a cap for the defense of the head. It's a protective cap. That's how it's defined, a protective cap. But I'm like this. It uses take. And one of the words for take is to receive. We're supposed to receive. But once again in verse 17, it uses the word take hold of and grasp. So he's saying, take hold of and grasp this helmet of salvation. But what are we supposed to receive? 1 Thessalonians 5 and 8 calls this helmet the hope of salvation. So, I'm like this. If it's a helmet and it's called the hope of salvation, what is, what is it supposed to protect? What is it supposed to preserve? And why do I have to put it on? Because 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and 8 says, putting on. As a helmet, the hope of salvation. And he says, you must put it on. So there's some effort on your part. So once again, we understand that it's not a natural helmet. So putting on requires some effort again. So when I told you that the believer's responsibility, don't think that they're just there. They're there available for you, but they're there for your taking, and you have to put forth effort to make sure this is on. So he says, we're putting on hope over the head, and it's supposed to preserve something. See, it's supposed to be on your head. It's a protective cap. It's called a helmet because hope is a psychological necessity in the life of a believer. It's the mind needs this hope. See, you're about to understand some things about hope. Hope is all over the Scriptures. Everybody that overcame, there was hope. There was this hope. See, the world's hope is not secure. 
See, the world's hope is this. I hope it happens. I wish that it would happen. But it's, there's no stability in the world's hope because there's no certainty in the world's hope. Like, I can say, I hope that I land this job. But even if I land the job, there's no security that I will keep that job. Or even if I land, or even if I pursue a young lady and get that young lady, that doesn't mean that we're going to stay together. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the hope of the world. The hope of the world can't say, this is a sure thing. It can't tell you that. There's nothing that you can hope for in this life that's sure. Not in this life. Not in this natural life. There's nothing that you can hope for. I'm talking about natural things. I'm not talking about spiritual things. I'm talking about natural things that said, this is a sure thing. I'm secure in this. There's no way this is ever going to be moved. There's no way I could ever lose this. You cannot say anything about the hope of this world because they can't offer that. They can't stabilize it. They can't secure it. They can't make it sure. But God's hope is totally different. God's hope is beyond. And, and I'll tell you why. And, and we're going to get there. So, hope is a helmet because hope is a psychological necessity if the believer is to envision his future at all. I want you to write that down. Hope is a psychological necessity if the believer is to envision his future at all. So if I'm going to envision, if I'm going to get the right picture of my future, I need this hope. See, once again, look at your life now. And I'm, I'm talking, let's say this, look at your life before Christ. Where did it bring you to? Were you secure? Were you stable? Were you like, hey, there ain't nothing going to move me. Even when you thought that here, you saw things move you. You saw things hurt you. You lost some things. You experienced some things that, my God, I wish I would have never experienced. Even when you got what you thought you hoped for, it wasn't fulfilling. And you're like, have you ever been to a place in, in the, when you were in the world, it's like, I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure how I'm going to get through this. Or what's going to... And all of that is the hope of this world. It's unstable and unsure. Unsecure. It's, there's no way that it can stand and say this is a sure thing. So envision, to me, it means to picture mentally, especially some future event or events. So psychologically, it's, it's interesting. That is everything that has to do with the mind. Anything that affects the mind... Anything pertaining to the mind, it's psychological. So, it deals with our awareness, how alert we are. It deals with our emotions. Anything that's our emotions, it's processed through the mind. It affects, so anything that affects our awareness, your feelings, and your motivations has everything to do with the mind. Everything. So, tell me what then? What in this world doesn't affect our minds? We process everything through our minds. And if you don't have the right information here, you're going to make the wrong decisions. If you don't have the right information here, you're always going to come out hurting, disappointed, 
because you don't have the right information here. But remember, we make our decisions based on everything we have right here. Even when we feel something, we process it here. And then we make decisions based on how we felt it. And sometimes we're like, oh my God, why did I do that? Because it was how you felt. See, and you process it, everything through your mind. And God says, you need something for the mind. In order for you to be preserved, in order for you to be kept, in order for you to go... See, this preservation of this mind, this helmet of salvation... It actually is work. It, it's, it's that which is not only supposed to be put on, but it keeps the believer heading in the right direction. It keeps the person heading in the right direction. Everything because of this hope. And I, I don't want to get ahead of myself, but this hope not only keeps the believer, but it preserves them in that direction. It, it keeps them. It's like a GPS system. When you turn off the wrong way, that, near, that, that, that uh, frustrating thing keeps on telling you you're in the wrong, you know, you're heading, you've got to turn around, you've got to do this, whatever. And it won't stop until you head in the right direction. And then it wants to redirect you so that you can go to the right. That's the hope of God. It directs you and then it says, when you're, in the wrong, when you're heading in the wrong direction, it says, no, that is not the direction to make that decision. You cannot turn there because that is not where I'm taking you. See, not only does this helmet protect you, your mind, it preserves the direction that you're supposed to go. And that is so important for the believer because the believer, they think they have many directions and many purposes. And I'm talking about, not, I, I hate to word, use the word believer because truly, not everybody in the church is a believer. So let's talk about everybody that says they're Christians. Everybody says they're Christians, ha, says they have many purposes. And God is like, I have one purpose for you. Only one purpose for you. And I only have one direction for you. And this helmet that I have for you is going to preserve that direction. It's going to keep you going in the right way. And it's not a natural helmet. It's an understanding. It's an understanding that you have about what God is doing. See, it affects your awareness, how you see things, how you process things. It's all processed through this hope that God puts in your heart. See, let's go to First Peter. What is this hope? First Peter chapter 1. Stay put, you're going to understand. First Peter chapter 1. Let me get there. I want to show you how God's hope. It's sure. It's secure. It's enduring. So let's start off in verse 1 of chapter 1. First Peter chapter 1. And we're going to read to verse 4. And we may continue reading later, but let's do it there. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ to the strangers scattered throughout Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, elect according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through sanctification of the Spirit unto obedience and sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Grace unto you and peace be multiplied. Blessed be the God and Father 
of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to His abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled and fadeth not away reserved in heaven for you. I like that. It's interesting that the Bible, he talks about the hope of salvation. Peter calls it a living hope, a lively hope. And the believer, those because of the mercy of our God, because God already had it planned from the foundation of the world, those that would accept Jesus Christ through that new birth, he brings them into this hope. He said, I'm going to bring you into a different hope. See, when I asked Jesus into my heart, there was really hope in my heart that I had a future. I had a hope that I didn't have to be insecure anymore. I had a hope that I didn't have to be fearful anymore. I had a hope that He was going to be with me regardless. Regardless of what I had to go through, He would always be there. I had a hope. When before, I thought I was alone. I was fearful. I didn't think I was going to be able to make it. But when He brought me in, He brought me into hope. And then He says, put it on. Put this hope on. Put it over your mind. Put it in your mind. Because this is what's going to keep you. See, He calls this hope our inheritance. This hope is our inheritance. This inheritance, He calls it incorruptible, undefiled, and cannot fade away, reserved in heaven for you. See, your hope is not here. That's why it needs to be put on your mind. It needs to be kept in your mind. You cannot keep it out of your mind. Because the moment you keep out in your mind, you're going to make the wrong decision. You're going to go in the wrong direction because you, have that, you don't have that hope that God has for you. It has to be over your mind. It has to preserve you. It has to keep you. So, it's so interesting. Our, 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 our God, why is this? Why is He said, we're brought into this because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's why it's a lively hope. See, why is our prayers, why is there hope in our prayers, people? Because Jesus ever lives to make intercessions for us. See, it's a living hope because, see, the, world, the hope of the world has no one to substantiate it. The hope of the world has nobody that says, hey, I'm going to secure this for you. I'm going to make sure this happens. But the hope that God has to offer, the Bible says that the Father has this hope for you. I'm the Father. Let's say I'm the Father. I have this hope for you. But I can't give it to you unless you're in His Son. He can't give it to you because you, you're right here and there the end. You're in sin. You are at a place where you have not surrendered to God. You're living in disobedience to God. But once you ask Jesus into your heart, He says, I'm going to surrender to you. You ask Jesus into your heart, He brings you into this hope. And then He says, because you're still there, He's going to stand right there and He's going to make sure this hope that I have for you, you're going to keep it and you're going to make sure He's subsent. See, when we pray... Because he's, the Bible says He's our mediator between God and man. He is our faithful and just high priest who ever lives to make intercessions for us. So why is my hope so secure? Because I trust in Jesus. My hope is secure because He says, this is what I have for you and I'm going to stand right here, Ricky, and I'm going to make sure that I stand before the Father and I stand before you and I'm going to make this hope sure for you because I live 
I've raised, the resurrection of the dead has brought you into this hope. And he doesn't he ever live it. He doesn't, there's no, it's incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. So name me something in this world that's incorruptible. That's undefiled. That doesn't fade away. Tell me something. Your marriages are corruptible. They can be defiled. They will fade away. And I'm talking about the natural part of it. Someone's going to die. Someone is... They're, they're not always... If you live long enough, they're not always going to be there. That fades away. All of these things in this world, they fade away. But when you have hope in God through Jesus Christ, you, that Bible says that is an eternal hope. An everlasting hope. It's enduring. It's perpetual. It'll keep on going. And regardless of what you see, you can't tell me. Like we've experienced our pastors passing. You know, there are certain people, our sister Hill, his sons, that have really experienced it. But why do they keep on going forward? Because that hope. See, that hope keeps you and preserves you and says, you can continue going because I live to ever make intercessions for you. Jesus stands before the Father in you. Those that have put their trust in you, in Him, put their, let me slow down. Those that have put their trust in Jesus Christ, they have a hope that cannot be taken from them. Not if they keep themselves in it. So it doesn't matter what happens in your life, what you have to go through, if you keep the helmet of salvation, the hope of salvation in your heart, there ain't nothing you can't go through. There ain't nothing that you can't stand up to. There's not. You can go through sickness and disease. You can go through different losing, and I keep on telling you these things, losing certain things. You can go through whatever, but it doesn't matter because that hope is incorruptible. It's undefiled. It doesn't fade away. And then he says it's reserved in heaven for you. So this hope, it cannot disappoint. And it calls the believer's inheritance. What does this hope do in the life of the believer? Again, this living hope directs the life of the believer and keeps the believer moving on the path, that path, regardless of the obstacles the enemy throws their way or challenges that come up in life on this earth. In life on this earth. So that hope, why is it needed? Because our reward is not here. Our reward is not here. That's why we need this hope. Because see, the world will tell you if you don't have, and I'm talking about false teachers will tell you that if you don't have certain things in this world, you are not the believer that you believe that you are. That you're not the Christian that you say that you are. And God says, but your inheritance is not in this earth. It's not in this world. See, it doesn't matter. I want to define some words. So we as believers, I'm going to read this, need our minds to stay aware, our feelings to be kept in check, to maintain the proper motivation. So in order for this to happen, all these things mentioned as it pertains to the awareness the functions, the things that affect our awareness, our feelings, and our motivations. 
must be filtered through the mind helmeted with the hope of salvation. So it is a necessity of the mind to have this hope in your heart. This hope is not an uncertain hope. So if it's not uncertain, it must be anchored in the faithfulness of God. It must be there. God is just faithful. And there is nothing, and I've told you this, it doesn't matter. We as believers, we have a hope that God is going to do something in the midst of this church. But that hope is not just our hope. That hope is founded in the hope. Because that hope of salvation, that hope of salvation that we are our inheritance, that, that's the hope we want in the lives of people. And you're going to see it, how, it not only, how not having the right hope in you will affect your children. How not having the right hope in you is going to affect... And when I told you, that not only identifies or indicates who protects you, but who you protect. It, doesn't, it indicates who fights for you and who, who you fight for. See, all of these things is how God is going to preserve you and keep you, but that it also shows how you can preserve and keep someone else in the right place. Because if you don't have it, there ain't no way you can give it to somebody else. So God expects you to take hold of this. Because if you don't take hold of this, you are useless. When it comes down, and I mean by this, when I'm talking about in the kingdom of God, no one's useless, a useless individual, but as it pertains to what God is doing, you know, and God gives us all opportunities, but there was a king in the Old Testament, and, and, and it is remarkable how God knows what a person is going to do, but gives them the opportunity. And there was a, an individual that was not yet king, but he was a, a, around the people of God. And uh, God was about to take in the kingdom and, and uh, separate it at this time, the kingdom of, uh, of uh, the people of God. But there was one young man that a prophet approached and he said, uh, you're going to be, and I'm paraphrasing, you're going to be the next king. But as he told him, the Bible says that the prophet started crying. And he asked him, why are you crying? He said, because I know what you're going to do to God's people. He said, I know how you're going to mistreat God's people. But he was, ha he was given an opportunity to do something and he missed the opportunity. Why did he miss that opportunity? Because there was not something in his life that needed to be in his life. He didn't have the right vision. He didn't have the right direction. He didn't keep the right heart. See, that's why I'm telling you, nowadays it's different. It's by the grace of God that you're brought into, but He, my God, He's not entrusting you with things if you're not for the people of God. If you're not there. And you're going to see in the life of uh, Moses' parents how this hope, how this hope was in operation. Let's see where we want to go. Let's go to the book of Hebrews. Hope, again, is the necessity of the mind. For it is needed to give the mind the proper vision, not natural sight, 
but the proper vision. Hope gives you the proper... Remember, if the believer... The statement was, if the believer is to envision his future at all, hope is a psychological necessity. The mind needs it. If I'm going to envision the, the future that I'm supposed to have, I need this hope in my mind. Because this hope is going to give me the proper vision. Hebrews 11, chapter 23. Let's go there. Hebrews 11, 23. We're going to stay in Hebrews for a while. Let's start at verse 1. I'm going to read a few things. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence of things not seen. So he says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So my hope should be filled with faith. The things I hope for should be filled with the substance of faith. And this whole book of Hebrews is talking about how faith did what it remembered. But faith is the substance of things hoped for. So you're going to see hope throughout the book of Hebrews chapter 11. Verse 13. And it's talking about Noah. It's talking about Abraham and Sarah and all the people of God that came before us. It says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them, they saw the promises afar off and were persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is in heavenly. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for He hath prepared for them a city. See, these people, the Bible says, they saw them afar off. There was a hope that was in these people that they had their vision and somewhere else and not on this earth. They were hoping for something and they kept that in place and they continued in faith because that hope was in place. We're going to continue reading. Where do we leave off? 16. Verse 23. By faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child and they were not afraid of the king's commandments. At this time, when it says they were not afraid of the king's commandment. So the people of Israel were in the nation of Israel. The people of Israel were in the nation of Egypt. And Egypt, they, were, they had favor at this time. And they were growing and multiplying. And because of Joseph, and we know the story of Joseph, but they were multiplying. And the people of Egypt saw that. The king, the Bible says that there arose another king that didn't know Joseph and everything that Joseph did for the nation of Egypt, for this kingdom. And the Bible says that he saw them increase. He says, you know what? We've got to make sure we do something. Because if these people get too great, they may, at the time of war, they may turn against us. And we won't have this kingdom. He said, here's what we're going to do. He said, we're going to kill every male child that is born. We're going to make sure that every male child that is born is killed. We don't want them. If they have a female, when it's time for the Israelite women to give birth, he said, if they have a female, they shall live. But if they have a male, we're going to kill that male. Because we don't want them to live. And all of that was the plan of the enemy because God knew that God's Son, Jesus Christ, was going to come out of the nation of Israel. And He wanted to make sure, hey, I'm trying to stop this. I'm trying to make sure that this does not happen because somebody's coming that's going to mess things up for me. So what happened 
is the Bible says that Moses' parents saw that he was a proper child. So they had a sight in something. See, these are people of God. They understood something. They had a hope for this child. There was something that they were hoping for because they knew God was going to deliver God, His people. He, they knew that they were going to be delivered. at some. And the Bible says that they saw he's a proper child and they hid Moses. See, these were Moses' parents. They were people of God. They made sure. See, this can all come back to us. See, we don't protect our children from the things of this world sometimes. We allow them to experience anything they want to experience. And they give them a false hope, a false security. They tell them you can go after this and they dangle everything in front of you from relationships to, to jobs to education. They jump through, and, um, and everything one of those, every one of those things is proper. It's good in its place. But they say this is the most important thing. Go after it. Run after it. And we allow them, instead of hiding our children to preserve the hope that's supposed to be in them, we allow them to have false hopes and false securities, things that will never come to pass in their life. But we go after, our parents, the parents, we go after those false hopes, those false securities. And then we think that our children are going to be protected from those false hopes and false securities. They're going to make the same mistakes you did. The same things you put them around, they're going to go after them. The same things that were dangled in front of you and you didn't remove them, he said, that's you not hiding. You didn't hide your child and protect them from those things. You let them have them. See, but Moses' parents were different. They saw something. They're, 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 there was something in their minds, a hope in their mind that they kept. We'll keep on reading. By faith, verse 24, Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. But why did he refuse to be called the sons of Pharaoh's daughter? Because remember, let's go back to this story. Back to this encounter. So Moses was hid by his parents. And we understand that Moses was put in a river and he was actually sent out. When they could not hide him anymore, they still were trying to preserve him. They put him in a river and they put him down to, to go down the river and he ended up in Pharaoh's house. He ended up in a place where, I believe it was Pharaoh's, I can't remember the young lady, but took him in and she raised him out of her own. Not understanding that she was raising some, everything she was doing because God was protecting Moses. Because Moses was going to deliver his people out of Egypt. So he was now being preserved, but he grew up. He grew up and the Bible says when it was time, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Because something was installed in that boy. Something was put in that boy to make him remember, this is not who I am. This is not what I am going to do. The Bible says, continue, choosing, in verse 25, he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. See, there is a hope in Moses. But this one, see, that's what I'm trying to tell you. These people, they understood with the direction that they were going. Their, their hope directed them. Their hope put them in a place where, I'm, you know what, i got to do something about my child. See, they saw something. See, these people, I'm going, to, I'm going to identify these words. Saw means to, to pay attention, to concern yourself with, and to understand it as a result of perception. Let's write that down. 
the word saw. The Bible, and when it says in verse 23, by faith Moses, when he was born, was hid three months of his parents because they saw he was a proper child. So this word saw means to see, pay attention to, concern yourself, oneself with, and to understand the result of perception. Moses' parents looked into the birth of their child. They paid attention to and, to and were concerned and they concerned themselves with this child. These parents came to an understanding as a result of their perception. And as a result of this perception, they hid their child, not fearing the commandment of the king. See, once again, this hope directs you. We said, what I tell you, if the believer is to envision his future at all, this hope is a necessity of the mind. Because see, my hope tells me where my direction is at. So, now I have hope and I've been brought into this hope. So, any decision that comes up in my life, it doesn't matter what it is. Once again, I, I choose things and I pick things that are common and are just there for everybody. Because everybody deals with relationships. Everybody deals with, with, with jobs. Everybody deals with their finances. Everybody deals with everything that everybody else deals with. The Bible says there's not a temptation taking us that's not common to all of us. All of us have temptations. But the person that does not have this hope will always choose contrary to the direction of God. They will not choose in line with the direction of God because they don't have this hope in them. See, I want to try to find this scripture because it's interesting. Let's go back to 1 Peter. It's interesting how 1 Peter comes to this place here. Let's continue reading about this lively hope. See, this, this hope is connected to your sobriety. It keeps you sober. It keeps you not being drunk. This hope would make sure that you are sober all the time. It's like, no, I can't make that decision because that's going to affect the direction of my life. See, you've got to understand that the devil is a cunning enemy. You may think that that decision that you're making today is not going to affect your family. Not realizing down the road that brought devastation to your family. You might have brought in a relationship you should have never brought in. You might have done something that you should have never done. But every decision you make, I don't understand, if it's not in line with this hope, it's always going to bring forth death. It's always going to bring a place where you're like, I'm not stable, I'm not secure, this is, I don't know what I'm doing. But when you line your decision with this hope, not only are you preserved, but those that follow after you are preserved. See, that's how Moses' parents, that's how Moses was able to do what he did. Because his, his parents, we give, we're, we're given just small details of the matter. But these people were people of God. They understand certain things about God. They understand that they actually, there were some things coming. And that's what I'm trying to tell you about us believers that if there are certain things that are not in place, I'm talking about the believer's responsibility about going after this, putting this on, making sure this is in my life. Because me personally, as I think about my relationship with God, I come to this point. My God, this is what I desire from you. This is my desire. And my desire is always, as it pertains, I always have to weigh my desires. Is this 
just my carnal desire? Things my flesh want? Or is this in line with what you want? See, because God always keeps you at a place where His desire is. So let's go back to First Peter. Let's see. Verse 13, and we're going to read, continue going down. But it says, Wherefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. He's saying this hope has to be until the very end. Till the very end, you have to have this hope in place. As obedient children, not fashioning yourselves according to the lust in your ignorance. But as He which has called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner of conversation. Because it is written, Be ye holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father who without respect of persons judges according to every man's work, pass the time of your sojourning here in fear. For as much as you know, you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold from your vain conversation received by traditions of your Father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was ordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times, who by him do believe in God that raised him from the dead and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. I'm going to try to get to verse 25. Seeing you have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the Spirit and to unfeigned love of the brethren, that you see that you love one another with a pure heart. Being born again, not of corruptible seed, but, but of incorruptible, by the word of God, which liveth and abideth forever. For all flesh is as grass, and all the glory of man as the flower of as a flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. I want you to go to Isaiah chapter 40. It's interesting how Peter, in talking about this hope, brought us to this scripture about all flesh is grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withereth, the flower thereof falleth away. But the word of the Lord endureth forever. Isaiah chapter 40. Let's read verse 1 through 8. It says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, saith your God. Are we there? I hear some pages. Isaiah chapter 40, verse 1. It says, Comfort ye, Comfort ye, my people, saith your God. Speak ye comfortably to Jerusalem, and cry unto her that her warfare is accomplished, that her iniquity is pardoned. For she hath received of the Lord's hand double for all her sin. The voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be exalted, and every mountain and hill shall be brought made, made low, and the rough place is plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed, and all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. The voice said, Cry. And he said, What shall I cry? And this is what he told him to cry. All flesh is grass, and all the goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The glass, grass withereth, the flower fadeth, because the Spirit of the Lord bloweth upon it. Surely the people is grass. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth, but the word of our God shall stand forever. And what does this have to do with our hope? Remember I told you that the hope of this world is not secure. There's, it's not lasting. It's not enduring. 
But see, we put our hope in the things that we have in this world. And he says, all flesh is grass. And the goodness, goodliness of man is as the flower that grows in the grass. The grass withers, the flower will fade away, but the Word of God endureth forever. See, it doesn't matter what you're going through in life. If you're trying to make your life here, the grass withers, the flower will fade away, but the Word of God stands fast forever. See, and I'd rather be in a place where I'm trusting in Him that's going to stand fast forever. There is nothing, there is nothing that should be able to pull you away from this hope. And that's why when we talk about the putting on, the taking on, see, I told you in Ephesians chapter, chapter 6, verses 16 and 17, it says, and above all, he says, in a higher place, Make sure this above all is in a higher place in your life. Taking the shield of faith. And take, that you may be said, taking the shield of faith wherewith you may be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit. That's the believer's responsibility. That is our responsibility. And when that is in place above all, you are going to stand. You are going to be preserved and you are going to preserve someone else. See, I don't care. Once again, when it comes down to what Jesus is doing, He said, I'll change your life forever. I'll make you, I'll give, I love that. When talking about that guy, He said, I'll give him a heart of flesh. I'll remove your stony heart and I'll give you a heart of flesh. God is like, I'm going to do a work in you. I'm going to do something in you that it's going to change your life forever. And not only is it going to change you, I'm going to equip you in such a fashion that you're going to be effective in the lives of other people. See, I am called to do what I'm doing. And, but this is not... How can I, this is not... How can I say, standing here is not the call of God. The call of God is inside the heart of a person. God calls that person and it, they can't help but to actually speak when he says, you cry. It's interesting how he, he talks about in Isaiah 40, the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness. And he's talking about, it was a prophecy about uh, John the Baptist. But it also says in Malachi, in the last day before the coming of the Lord, that he's going to send forth Elijah. And he's going to turn back the hearts of the fathers to the children and the hearts of the children to the fathers, lest he smites the earth of the curse. And I'm like this. God is telling His people this is not where your focus needs to be. Your focus needs to be on what I have for you eternally. What I'm doing in you that's going to make the difference in the life of somebody else. See, all we do is minister the Word of God and God does the work. He works inside the hearts of people. All we can do is lift our hearts to God and say, God, this is what I want. See, nothing changes in your life until you make that surrender to God. They said, Lord, and I'm not talking just giving your life to Jesus. I'm not talking because that's where you need to start, those that have never accepted Christ. But I'm talking about those that have accepted Christ and say, God, I think about the bond servant. You know, and these are things that are going to come up, but I like what was going on in our group app conversation today about, you know, what is, what is sacrifice and what have you sacrificed? And I'm like, 
The thing that, and I told you this earlier, the thing that's missing is why do you sacrifice? Not necessarily, and I'm talking about in the life of people, why did I do this? And I started thinking about the bondservant. See, this conversation is going to come up, but what is true freedom? People think that freedom is I'm able to do whatever I want to do. That's freedom. I can't wait to get out of my house because I'm going to be able to do what I want to do. I can't wait till I get a job because I'm going to be able to spend my money the way I want to spend my money. I can't wait to get out of the house because I can't wait to date whoever I want to date. I can't wait to do whatever... Because freedom is able to do whatever I want to do. But that's not God's freedom. God's freedom is this. In the Old Testament, and we're going to finish with this, in the Old Testament, there was a, there was a slave. They had slaves in the Old Testament. And this slave was in this house. But God had made a law that every certain year they had to let the slaves go. They had to release them. And this master came to his slave and he says, you're free. He told the slave, you've been set free. It's time for you to go. And the slave said this, I love my master. And I love my master's house. And I love my family. He said, make me your slave forever. See, that is true freedom. Because see, me personally, people, I've heard this, I saw this statement a long time ago. They say Christianity slaves is a statement I, wrote, I saw on a wall. But I, I, I never understood it. But Christianity doesn't slay. I've freely given myself to be a slave. See, my freedom comes because I've given my heart to God and say, God, I don't want to do my own thing. Because my own thing has brought me everything that I have. Everything that, all the things that I still have to deal with have been because I thought I was free to do whatever I wanted to do. But when I asked Jesus into my heart and because what He did for me and how He changed me, I'm like, you can have my heart. This is yours. So when I make a decision, my sacrifice would be, I want to do it because you have my heart. That's true freedom. Because He not only sets you free outward, He sets you free inward. See, there is nothing like being able to go to sleep in peace. Being You say, you know what God? I know You're with me. I trust that You're still with me. Regardless of what happened that day, I can go home and say, God, You're still faithful. You still haven't let me go. I'm still Yours. I am not alone. See, Christianity is not a belief. It's not, it's not a religion. It's not religion binds. Religion, and I'm talking about religion just separates. Christianity is true freedom. But true freedom puts on the hope of salvation. Actually, it's there. So to me, my brothers and sisters, for us to continue in the right path, we better have this hope in place. We better have the hope of salvation. We better make sure that our hope is not in this world. See, people that's hope in this world, they're trying to make it in this world. They're trying to make a name for themselves. They're trying to establish it. And I'm not talking about making sure things are set in place. But that's what it's all about. See, 
You can go back and say, okay, let me ask you this about your sacrifice. How many have you sacrificed to make sure that you're putting the Word of God in you or you're hearing it on a continual basis? Some people can say what they sacrifice, but then you don't see them on a continual basis. They can say the right things, but you can't see the sacrifice in their life. You can't say, well, you know what? I know... Because certain things are hard on folks. There are certain things that I'm like, I wish that I didn't have to do. There are certain things I'm like, my God, I, I wish I didn't have to experience that. But in that experience, will I let go of hope and say, God, I'm through with you? No. The hope has to be in your heart. It has to be, over, it has to be in your mind. This hope of salvation where it says, putting, putting on as a helmet the hope of salvation... That is only to keep you in the right direction. To make sure you're heading in the right direction. Make sure you're focused on the right direction. And every decision that you have to make that deals with the psychological uh, thing, that, that psychology, the, the, the mind, in dealing, everything dealing with your mind, the, the things that you go through, you have to filter it through this hope. You have to. Because if you're not, you're going to make the wrong decision. Because you think that your life is here. This is where I've made my life. But God is like, no. The Bible says, I hasn't seen nor ear heard, neither has it entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for those that love Him. And I'm like this, God, I want to love You. I want to make sure I love You because I want to make sure that everybody, that, that, that I am affecting people the way I'm supposed to. But... That's who we are. If you think about it, that's what we've been taught to do. Your pastor has taught you well. And what I mean by that, we continue doing the same things we've always done. And that's the pursuit. We continue pursuing God. We continue... You can actually... And, 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 I, and I'm not talking about bragging... But I can look to our young adults. I can look to our youth and I can say, there is hope. There is a hope that's being established in these young adults. There's a hope that's being established. Now, yes, you're always going to deal with people that are in and out, that are not committed. You're always going to deal with certain people that are not committed. But you're going to have the committed. You're going to have those that God is going to do something through. That's always happened in the Scriptures. God is going to have somebody that He's dealing with, somebody that is going to do His will. Will you be that person? My question is, do we want all that God has for us? And if we want it all, then we put on. Then we take. We take hold of. We take it upon. We take it. We don't just sit there idle. We do the work of God. But that's our job. You're going to see that everything, and I'm finished, uh, you know, I'm out of time right now, but you're going to see that everything has to come from an understanding. Even the sword of the Spirit. You have no word in season for those that are weary because you don't go after God. Let's stand to our feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net. Thank you.